Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so once again, within the body, if somebody's rejoicing over something, we should be able to rejoice with them. Uh, somebody's going through it and suffering, loss of a loved one, some trial, some tragedy that we should suffer with them. We should come alongside them and be with them, walk with them through it. Um, and that's part of just becoming one with people, being part of a body that we would, we would walk life together. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you that the body of Christ should almost function like a family. If someone in your family is hurt emotionally or physically, are they the only ones who are affected? No, everyone in the family is hurt by their loved one's pain. The same is true in the body of Christ. When someone is hurting, we all feel it. But we can also help each other to carry the burdens of those hurts through serving, prayer, and kindness. Unity among the body means help among the body. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. There are parts or members or persons in the body that no one even sees, but but they, the, the function that they provide is vital um, to the ongoing work. And so once again, with each thing that we look at, those that were discontented with their role, those that may look down on others in their role, those that are doing roles that are invisible. I just want everybody to consider what's your role. What are you doing? What part of the body are you? What are you fulfilling? What part of the body? As we looked at the gifts last week, last two weeks, um, now we're looking at the fact that, hey, there's got to be an application of the gifts. So there's something God gave you that's to glorify him and benefit others. And you're, you're that part in the body. God placed you as it pleased him. Are you fulfilling a, a place in the body of Christ? Is there something that you're doing that is is pleasing to the Lord? And um, as I was looking at this, um, I think when, when when BJ was about he's 11, when he was eight or nine, I coached uh, little boys. It was a it was a sequence of sports at the park. So it went baseball, basketball, baseball, football, something like that. And what they let you do if because they're trying to keep dads to coach. So they said, if you coach consecutive sports, we'll let you keep your core kids. And I was like, yeah. So instead of if you come as a new coach, you get the kickback. The, the coaches that already know who can play take all them kids and you get the leftover kids and you might get some good kids in the midst of that. So I did the, all the consecutive sports. Um, I almost quit at baseball. It was terrible. But um, basketball and football, I had, a, I, had a, I had a good little squad of kids. And from basketball, I realized I learned, I learned something. I didn't have the most talented kids, but I had kids that were motivated. And what I did, it was a simple little thing. I was trying to figure out, I, these are somebody else's kids. So me yelling at them, some of these kids are real sensitive these days. So if you yell at them, they, they yelled at me, mom. They, they, they can't play no more. So I would have this little cellophane thing with some candy. And it was, you know, hey, I'm tallying up every steal. And whoever get the most steals, you get the, you know, this, you get this bag right here. You know, um, whoever get the most this, that, or the other, I pick two or three things and you could, you'll be, you'll be, you'll get a reward for it. And I'm telling you guys, I had other coaches like, I had the most aggressive group of boys. They, cause they weren't calling fouls. So they were tackling, they were snatching up balls. It was like, how many do I have coach? How many do I have? You got seven. He's got eight though. You know, they was out there. We would do a whole game. Nobody getting a shot. And they were like, what, what are you doing to these kids? Little bag of candy. <laughs> After the game, we come together. Woo, all right, got the tally sure out. You had 12. You had 
13, but this man right here at 15, we were just like that. We did it football. It was flag football. Same thing. I, I had some kids that could run. I had kids, I had, I had a couple kids that could, you know, catch a little flat pass, but it was defense. So I had my little chubby boys that was on the line. And they're not, that's not the most exciting position because they don't get to really run the ball. And that was the same deal with them. I said, all right, we're counting flag grabs. And whoever had the most flag grabs at the end of the thing, you get it. And I'm telling you guys, I have two boys snatch a flag off a kid and they got one hand, they both got one arm on it trying to see who getting credit for it. We played groups and my wife will tell you, they were on the sideline, the parents were cussing at me um, because we wouldn't let them, let them play. I said, they are playing. They said, I'm not going, they wanted me to let their kids like get a playoff. And I'm like, no, nah, we, we, we're not letting y'all, y'all going to have to make it happen, you know, but it was just a little bit of motivation. You know, we found a way to, to motivate these kids, but here was the thing. We found everybody's place. And I had, I had one kid on my football team. You guys know I have a son with autism. And his parents brought him not knowing if there would be a place for him or if he could serve. And I said, look, I, I have a son with autism. I'll find something for him to do. And as we tried out different stuff with him, uh, I know with my son, anything re re repetitive, he does well. So I had him do the kickoff and he kicked the ball. And we got him down. I sent him home with his dad with the, with the tee and the ball. And that boy could place the ball perfectly every single time. He could drop it. I would, he, would, he would kick it from the same spot. He would drop it right five yards. Within five yards of every single time, it was perfect. And I'm like, that's your role. You, you get us good position every time. You, get, you put us in the best position to get the ball back and make a touchdown. Found, everybody had their place. And we were jammed. We didn't lose a single game. Um, and, and that was, for the kids, that was fun, right? And that's just football. When you take the church... What if we functioned like that? What if everybody here, not only you had your role, but you were motivated? Now, what motiva what's to be our motivation as believers? Heaven. heaven, right? We're storing up treasure in heaven, so we, we got something to look forward to. Um, that is a part of our motivation. What else, what's, what should be the thing, that we should, what else should motivate us to, to serve with passion, with, with interest? Was that? Christ, all right. Our gratitude for him, the cross. As I look to the cross, I realize I'm a sinner. I was going to hell one day. I used to did not know God. I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't searching for God and grow up in a family that knew God. I was just living life lost. And God pursued me. He came after me, opened my blind eyes, helped me to realize what my true condition was, had someone that I would listen to convey the gospel to me, saved me at 19. So I didn't go any further in the wrong direction. Let my life get put on track. Like that's, there's a gratitude for that. And so that's my motivation. God is, it's, I'm never serving God so that he'll, you know, some people are like, who serve God so he'll bless me. He already blessed you yes. on the cross. Anything else he does is extra, yes. right? But my motivation now is, God, I'm looking back at what you did for me. And that's why uh, for Christians, we do communion to remember the broken body and the shed blood for you. That we take some time and say, God, I remember what you did for me. Yes. And that's my motivation. I'm not a little kid. I don't get a bag of candy. You know, so I can go out there and, you know, I'm going to go preach the gospel so I can get that candy. You know, like a, now it's, it's a different. The motivation is, man, God loved me when I didn't love him. Man, he was he was merciful to me, though I was a sinner. He, he accepted me with all my junk. And even today, he deals with me, continues to forgive me and, and work in my life despite me, despite my weaknesses and my flaws. Like that's my motivation. God, if you don't if nothing else ever goes my way, I know I'm going to heaven when I die. My life has been changed down here. Uh, for the for the good. I mean, I, I'm for that alone. I'm, I'm you got me whatever you tell me to do whatever you want now now that's our motivation And so we don't want our motivation to be something carnal 
looking for a reward. I want people to see it and say, great job. My reward is, like she said, heaven. Jesus said, store your treasure in heaven where moth and dust don't corrupt, where thieves don't break in and steal. Um, go on and send it up ahead where you're going to go. Um, but also our motivation is, is, is because of what he's already done. So um, if you know what your role is, are you, are you motivated to serve? Um, because it makes a big difference, right? You put, you put someone in, in a place, let's go back to the team analogy on a team that don't really have proper motivation. And you could be looking at them and it's like they got the ability, they got the physical gifts and talent, but they just, they just like, I don't want to be here. And you've ever seen a kid on a team where their parent made them do it. And they're just like, hmm. And you're looking at them like, you got everything you need to do it. They just, well, I don't want to be here. I want to go play video games or whatever. You know, and it's just completely unmotivated, frustrating. Um, same thing, though, right? You put somebody in the body and you see all that they could be. You see the gifts. I mean, I, I, we, we recognize that you have something special right there, but they, they don't have no motivation to, to serve the Lord with that. And how do you get them motivated? How do, you, how do you take that person and say, man, I mean, I see the potential. I want you to realize your potential. We, we preach the gospel to them, right? You don't understand the gospel, right? That's why you're unmotivated. You, you, you must not really understand what God has done for you. Uh, because I believe in understanding that. Uh, when I really understand, when I'm really hit in a real way by what God has done for me, my true condition before him, what he's done for me, I, I don't think I could stay in a passive whatever state. Um, anybody here that's in love or you've been in love, think about things that you'd be willing to do when you're in love. All right. Just just ain't no ain't no limit. Right. Uh, it's a dangerous thing. You know, my, my, I, I look at the thing. I tell my wife, I mean, the things that I do for her, um, I, I wouldn't do for nobody else. I mean, nobody else. But she got me. That would be a bad thing if she were a bad person, you know, but love will motivate you. You know, I think when, when we were going out. And, um, you know, we were, we, were, we were getting ready to get married. I was living with my dad. She moved in with her dad. I used to get up at five and go to work in Torrance. So I'd drive from Inglewood to Torrance, go to work. Then I would get done at work in Torrance at, you know, four o'clock, all stank. So I took clothes. I would go to Torrance. I would, after work, there was a shower. I would shower, get fresh and clean, took some clothes that I ironed and took with me. I would leave in Torrance, go to Compton, hang out with her. And I would hang out with her as long as I could, sometimes way later than, I, than, than, than you know, just getting a little bit of sleep. And I'd drive all the way back to Inglewood, sleep for three hours, go back to work, and was glad to do it again. What motivated me to do that? Brother, was, that, was, was, that was toe up. Why? She, had, she, she had me, you know? So I said, we got, we got to get married, you know? So when we love the Lord, it don't need nothing else. Like, that's enough. That's the motivation for everything that we need that we just, man, I fell in love with Jesus as I look at what he did for me. Um, that, but I'm, I'm motivated enough just in that. Amen? Amen? All right. So now look at verse 25. Um, I guess I'll, I'll reread 24. So, but our presentable parts have no need. Um, we don't have any need to be seen. They're already seen. But God composed the body, having, give a greater, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. That word schism, schism is division. And guys, I don't want there to be a division among us. Uh, I put you guys in the body as I saw fit. Uh, I don't want there to be division or schism between you guys because uh, it doesn't please him. But God says, I, I want us to have the same care for one another. And so that should be our heart as we come together, as we're together as a body that we're caring for each other. We're looking out for one another. Um, 
looking out for others' needs, looking out for how we could, how I could be a part of building up, ministering to other people. I'm not dividing myself against people, but I'm actually looking to build you up. Um, no schism or division, but that we would care for each other. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so once again, within the body, if somebody's rejoicing over something, we should be able to rejoice with them. Uh, somebody's going through it and suffering, loss of a loved one, some trial, some tragedy that we should suffer with them. We should come alongside them and be with them, walk with them through it. Um, and that's part of just becoming one with people, being part of a body that we would we would walk life together. Now, if somebody have something go really bad for them and you happy about it. That's messed up. Right. That, that's the world. The world is somebody don't like somebody and find out they got fi- you got fired. Nah, that's what they get. You reap what you sow. <laughs> you know, that's the world. That's how the world will treat people. But in the body, I might even know that the negative things happening to some are, are a repercussion from things that they're doing wrong. But I shouldn't rejoice in it. I shouldn't rejoice in that because I'm still looking at it's my brother or my sister. And there should still be a heart that says, I know that happened probably because how you living. And, and maybe now I minister to you from where you are, but not, not, not happy that bad things happen to you. Not, not, I, I suffer with you. I'm sorry that, that that's happening, even if it's self-inflicted. Um, and then we minister to each other in that way. And so I, I hope that we get this heart um, because this pleases the Lord. If we, if we have this heart about dealing with each other, dealing with other believers. Now it says, um, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Um, so we make up the whole body, but we're individual members. And God has appointed these in the church. And he goes down a list now, a group of things. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Now, I'll give a brief explanation on each one of these things. These are uh, gifts or roles that God has given out in the body. He said, first apostles, the word apostles means sent out ones. And so in the early church, there were those that had literally, they had actually been with Jesus They had received the teaching directly from Jesus, and those were the ones that were sent out. They were the sent out ones. They had the message firsthand. And so that's why when when you hear of apostolic authority, if if, if, if Peter was the one saying, hey, guys, this is what Jesus said. I I got it directly from him, not third hand, second hand. I didn't read it in a book. Uh, He had apostolic authority. Paul uniquely uh, was one of the believers that one, the one apostle who after Jesus had died, rose from the grave and ascended back into heaven. uh, The Lord met him on the road to Damascus. So he was the one apostle who after Jesus had ascended into heaven, uh, became an apostle because he he got he had an interaction directly with Jesus. So today, guys going around calling themselves apostles, this and that and the other um, that ain't never been sent out nowhere. Um, it's kind of an interesting thing, but that's the whole goal of an apostle. They're sent out ones here. They were sent out with apostolic authority to establish the church. Then they're prophets. Um, these are those that are speaking forth, uh, the word of God, the oracles of God. It could be at times, uh, future, future, you know, prophetic, prophetic word is not always future. Some of it is, it's telling you what God is saying at this time. And so, um, as the word goes forth, many times it's prophetic. Maybe it's, 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 it's not only me foretelling or someone foretelling something that's to come. It, it could be that as well. Um, but it's someone speaking forth God's truths, God's word. Third, teachers. Um, the body of Christ needs teachers, needs people that will teach the word. Um, take people through the word and teach it to them that they would know it. And then it says miracles. 
Um, and these are there are many different types of miracles that happen uh, within a gathering of believers. There's a miracle of salvation. There are times where people are healed. There are miracles in times where there's there's breakthrough. There are things where God we we see God do things that we would say, man, a God. As we pray, God intervened in this way. Miraculously, he intervened. It was supernatural. That is, God still moves in that way today. Um, again, we talked about it last week, but um, I think people get discouraged or turned off because of some of the kooky stuff that guys are doing on TV. You know, fake miracles and fake healings and throwing coats at folk and knocking them down and all this kind of stuff that you see on the internet now. Um, but we still serve a God that's doing miracles um, from the position that I'm in. I'm aware many times of things that people have prayed for and that we're praying together and God moves supernaturally, just opens a door. Something comes out of nowhere. I, myself, there have been things where we're just crying out to God to help in areas or to do things. And God just I'm, when I'm saying miraculously comes through, it's, it's happened. Uh, where God just does it in a way that I'm, I'm not going to call that a coincidence. I'm, that was miraculous. The Lord intervened. God showed up. I'm going to give him the glory that's due his name. And so miracles, gifts of healings. We talked about that. Um, healings. Now, again, there's a teaching within the church that everybody can be healed. Um, is that true? No, 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 not true. Everybody's not going to get healed. Um, now, God can God heal? Yes. Can he heal whoever he wants? Yes. Does he heal everybody? No. As you read your Bible, right, as you go through the Gospels, you'll look at sometimes Jesus goes into a town and heals everybody. He goes somewhere else and heals nobody. He goes to the pool of Bethesda where everybody laying there was sick and he healed one person, just one. What about all the rest of them? It wasn't his will to heal the rest of them. He healed the one. Um, it, it becomes God's prerogative. Now, we should bring the sick to the Lord. James says, if there are any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. I'll anoint them with oil, pray over them. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. And if there's any sins, he'll be forgiven. Um, so we need to give God first dibs, bring any illness, any sickness, any, any issue like that before the Lord. Um, but on earth, it's not God's will. Y'all know y'all got to die somehow to get to heaven, don't you? So you read, go, you go back and read your Bible and look at those, look at the saints of old, how they died. That's how they got to the next realm. I know I got to die someday. I don't know how I'm going to die. I'm not trying to pick it. You know, I'm not jumping in front of trucks and I'm not trying to be sick. But I got to die at some point. I'm, uh, heaven, if, if, if either the rapture or death is how I get to heaven. So um, it's, it's, it's not really uh, a healthy way to think. Uh, and it, it, it actually hurts people. Because if I tell you that everybody should be healed, but you're not healed, then you think something's wrong with you. Do you know that these pastors that teach this, when they get sick, they go, they go private, Right. I could name someone right now that's in our area that's pretty big about faith healing. He'd been sick for a long time, so his son is doing all the preaching. So nobody, gets, nobody sees him sick, but he's sick. And I wish that these men would face up and say, you know what? I guess you can be sick and be a believer and take that burden off of all the people that they lied to. Because then people be out there thinking, I must not have enough faith. I must not love God enough. Or maybe God doesn't love me enough that I'm sick. And not understand that you could be well with God and, and be sick. It's, it's, you know, we ask him to heal you. Um, and sometimes God chooses for his purposes to do that. But if not, I would I don't I would I would hate for someone to be misled and feel like because I'm not being healed it's because I'm not believing God or because God doesn't care for me. And which is where those are the options that we leave people. So but gifts of healings and active today helps is an important one. Um, helps is just those that serve. Those that see a need and meet a need, you know, the kind of person that walk by, see something on the floor and just have to pick it up, throw it away, straighten stuff out. Just the gift of help. Those that are 
serving in the body administrations, those that can oversee and administrate in an organized way. Um, varieties of tongues. We're going to talk in detail about the gift of tongues, which is maybe one of the more abused gifts. We'll look at tongues and prophecy in detail in chapter 14. We'll look at the proper use of the gift of tongues, which is for today, how it's to be used, how it's not to be used and everything else. But that is a gift, varieties of tongues for today. And then he asks a group of rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer to every one of these is no. Everybody doesn't have every gift. He's already told us that God gives them individually as he wills. And so why is that important? Because you have some circles of the church that make it sound like if you don't have a particular gift, something wrong with you. Tongues is that gift. Um, there are circles that say tongues is the evidence that you are filled with the spirit. But we're going to learn in the next two chapters that that's not the case. What's the evidence that a person is filled up with the spirit of God? The, the fruit of love. It's interesting that people have made it tongues, which you could fake. And, and not let it be love, which you can't fake that for very long. Um, the fruit of love. He's going to tell us in the very first part of the next verse, I don't care if you speak with the tongues of men and angels. If you don't have love, you just make a noise, clanging cymbals, bang, bang, bang. And that's what, you know, some have put the emphasis there. And God has said, no, I want to I want to bring it home. And uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll look at that in great detail in the next two chapters. Um, now he says this in verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And so the more excellent way, just as a precursor, is going to be chapter 13. The more excellent way is going to be love. And that's what we're going to look at. But when he says, I want you to uh, desire or to earnestly desire the best gifts that he covers in chapter 14. The best gifts we're going to see are those that benefit everybody else. Um, those are the best gifts. Tongues is the one gift of all the gifts that's for your personal edification. And so... Um, if, if that's the one gift that's for my personal edifying, building up, Paul says, I'd rather, when I'm with y'all, I'd rather speak 10 words that you can understand than a thousand words in tongue, because that can't, that doesn't benefit you. And again, we'll look at that in chapter 14. Um, but I, I'd rather use a gift that would build you up um, than to use a gift that's for my personal building up. So as we wrap up this chapter, a um, couple things that I, I want everybody to consider, and I want you to pray about. Um, if you don't know what your particular gift or gifts are, I, I want you to write that down. God, I, I pray about that. That needs to be an issue that you pray about. God, I know that I have something. You said you're giving every member something. Pray about what gift or gifts God has given you. Um, second, as, you, as God will identify those things and make them clear to you, um, you want to ask the Lord this, God, as, as I'm part of the body, what part am I supposed to be? Um, where, where do I fit in? Where, where do you want to use me in the body? Where in the body can I glorify you and be a benefit to those around me. Um, and you need to come asking that, knowing that there's a place for you. There's something for you to do that would glorify God and edify others, and you want to ask God what that is, that he might show it to you. And lastly, as we look at the, the attitudes about things, um, we talked about the proper motivation. Uh, we want our motivation for everything that we do for God to be that we love him, that we, we're, we're responding to what he's already done. And um, if, if, if you don't spend enough time um, just thinking on what Christ has done for you, meditating on those facts, uh, being, being, being thankful for his love for you, his mercy upon you, 
his forgiveness in your life, um, then I would, I would encourage you that you, you renew yourself in that, that you would have proper motivation. That our motivation for Christian living, for spiritual service, is loving Christ for what he's done for us. Amen. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.